Welcome, and thank you for joining us on our latest installment of Women at Ropes Talk, a podcast series brought to you by the Women's Forum at Ropes and Gray. In this podcast, we spotlight extraordinary women who have had successful careers and interesting lives and are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. We feature women attorneys at Ropes and Gray in conversation with prominent women clients, industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and others about their careers and what's led to their successes, the challenges they faced, and the hard-earned wisdom they've acquired. I'm Megan Baca, a partner at Ropes and Gray with a practice focusing on intellectual property and technology transactions. And I'm also co-head of the firm's Digital Health Initiative. I'm based in Silicon Valley. On this episode, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Cho Lee, who's based in San Francisco. Hey, Cho, can you introduce yourself and your practice? Hi, Megan. Yes, happy to. I'm a partner in the San Francisco office in the private equity group. I'm a lifer. I summered at Ropes and Gray and started in the Boston office. Then I moved out west in 2016. I do M&A deals for a variety of private equity sponsors, and I'm not embarrassed to say that I love what I do. Sounds good. I'm very familiar with that because we have the fun of working together a lot. Who is the special guest you'll be interviewing on this episode today? Tamara is a managing director and deputy general counsel with Audax Group, a longtime client of the firm. She's someone I really enjoy working with and with whom I look up to greatly. There can be a dozen deals going at a breakneck pace, and Tamara will be the eye of the hurricane, calmly making the call on every one of them, just in the middle of all of us going nuts. So tell me, how did you and Tamara meet and start working together? You know, I think I've been working with Tamara my entire career at the firm. When I summered in 2008, Ken Chow had me working on Audax, and so I, honest, I think I've been working with her since then. Our relationship has grown over the years. I've always loved working with her, but over time, I feel we've expanded our relationship, and I consider her a mentor and a friend. What would you say is most interesting about Tamara and her career? Tamara is an excellent example of the long relationships we build at Ropes & Gray. She's in-house now, but I, I really think of her as a Ropes lifer, too. She summered at Ropes and practiced here before going in-house to Audax which is, as I mentioned before, a longtime client of the firm, and where Dan Weintraub, another alumni of Ropes, is general counsel. She still works with folks she did when she was a summer here. I'm not sure that's the most interesting thing about her, but I think the continuity of our relationship with her is quite special. Awesome. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear from her. So with that, I will turn it over to you and Tamara. Tamara, welcome. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about Audax? Sure. Thanks so much, Joe, for having me. I'm Tamara Belsick. I'm Managing Director and Deputy General Counsel at Audax, as you said. Audax is a leading middle market alternative asset management firm with offices in Boston, New York, and San Francisco. We have both a private equity and a private debt business, both focused on investing in the middle market. I'm a member of our internal legal group, and my primary responsibility is to oversee all things financing, whether that's advising on the financings of our LBO investments for our private equity business, advising on terms related to the investments themselves made by our private debt business, or arranging for all types of fund-level financing. Basically, anything finance-related I'm involved with. I'm a member of our legal group and our capital markets group, and I also sit on our diversity, equity, and inclusion working group. And I've been with Audax for 14 years now. 14 years. I feel like that's flown by. Um, the, the last time we saw each other, I think we were uh, either having Madeleines at Bargalude or maybe coffee at the Barnes & Noble's Cafe in Boston. But how how are you? I know it's a big question to ask in um, <laughs> in 2021. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, the, the transition to remote work has been pretty seamless for us. And, um, 
steel volume has been um, uh, picked up pretty pretty quickly. So um, despite spending a lot more time at home and sort of juggling things a little bit more directly, um, it's been good. It's been pretty much um, business as usual. I love it. Yes, you guys have been incredibly busy. I mean, your deal flow has been extremely high and you've kept us um you've kept us on our toes i i thank you i know ken and mike are, are grateful as well that we all <laughs> we're, we're, well um, we, we couldn't do it without all of your support happy to be on the team so i, I mean let's great jump straight into some substance i know you said that you deal with all things finance you know are there any legal developments that have been particularly interesting or challenging you know for you and for audax recently I'm kind of a debt financing geek, so all of the really bespoke financing products are really interesting to me, um, in particular on the fund financing side. It feels like there's been just an explosion of new products. There are plain vanilla sublines, but also ABLs and hybrid facilities, and the, the newest thing that seems to be getting a lot of press are ESG-related facilities, so those involve some sort of pricing grid that fluctuates uh, depending on whether you meet predetermined ESG metrics. Um, so just seeing all the innovation in this space is really, really exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and your career path? How did you how did you get to be a debt financing geek? I assume that wasn't one of your um, skated goals when you were in, in kindergarten. <laughs> um, well, it certainly wasn't. I uh, So I started my career at Ropes and Gray. Like you, I started as a summer associate, um, and then I was an associate in the corporate department. And so many people did. Um, I just did a variety of, of corporate work, but... Um, I found myself really liking the debt financing work that I did and really liking um, the the lawyers in the debt financing group. Um, I think Mike Lee is one of the smartest and nicest people I've ever met in my life. And so just having the opportunity to work with those really smart, really nice people um, doing more deals like that, um, I, that's just I sort of I, I fell into it by happenstance, but I, I fell into um, doing something that I that I really enjoy doing, and so look for more and more opportunities to do it. I know how you feel. I think that in a lot of ways that was my path to private equity deals as well. I confess, I think a lot of us at Ropes consider you a Ropes lifer, since you spent your career at Ropes and Audax. I feel like that's increasingly rare now when people hop around a lot. Your duration at the two institutions that share a relationship speaks a lot, I think, to both those institutions and to you. Well, I, it is interesting. I, I, it does seem like there's a lot more moving around um, lawyers of lawyers lately, and lawyers going from firm to firm, um, and always looking for the, you know, the next or the better opportunity. Um, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, but I've, I've just found a group of people that I really like working with, both at Ropes and at Audax, um, and I found a type of work that I really like doing. And my work really has evolved in the time that I've been. At Audax, saying 14 years out loud sounds like such a long time, but it, it, you're right, it really has flown by. Um, and the, the type of work that I do, although it's always been debt financing work, it's been constantly evolving. Um, and so that's just been really um, exciting and fulfilling. And so I haven't really felt that need to, to look around for something new or something different. Though you focus on debt finance the whole time, I at least have seen your role really change to you know to the point where you've you know you're managing large teams and overseeing folks and um, so I feel like even though you know it's still debt financing, what you do has has sort of evolved a lot over those fourteen years. It it really has, and it's been really like I said, it's been really gratifying and fulfilling. I started off um, doing debt financing work both. Um, uh, at, at Ropes and at Audax, but that was sort of limited to working on the financing piece of an LBO. 
Um, and that's definitely what I did um, in my early years at Audax. I still do some of that, but, um, you know, I do fund financing work as well. We, um, uh, you know, we launched a CLO a couple of years ago, and so I've been working on the CLO. And so there really have been a lot of um, ways that my the substance of what I do has has grown and evolved over time and really the ways that I find really interesting. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you with all our sort of talk. <laughs> I Googled you before we um, before we talked. And uh, I mean, I know I feel like I've known you actually well over a decade. But then, um, yeah, <laughs> I learned I only learned by Googling you that you have a master's in communication. So what what prompted that uh, that degree? But what were your yeah. master plans? Part of it was not really having the best master plan or not knowing what my master plan was or should be. So it really was just um, uh, hedging. Um, I, I wasn't, you know, I knew I was sort of interested in law, but I wasn't 100% sold on it. I also wasn't 100% sure that I'd be good at it or that, you know, that people would want to hire me for this job. So um, it was, you know, it was it was hedging and thinking that two is better than one. And so if the whole law thing didn't work out, I'd have another um, career that I could try out. Well, you're clearly killing it on this podcast, so I think that's your that can be your uh, your, your second step as well. Uh, if 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 you decide that you're done with debt via um, so just continuing on that, then Tamara, what attracted you to to law as as you you know as you were hedging? So I, I think in large part it was a love of literature. Um, I, I love language. I love thinking about precise and elegant ways to put thoughts on paper. Um, I was an English major as an undergrad, and it, I just realized that a lot of those skills, um, careful, nuanced reading, thinking about how an author's intent may differ from how a reader understands language, um, an ability to consider multiple interpretations of language, a lot of those translated really well to contract law. Um, and so it just, in some ways, seemed like a natural evolution to me. That makes total sense. So let me do a quick side venture and ask you, what, what books are you reading? What do you recommend? So I'm trying to make my way through um, Ibram X. Kendi's uh, book. So I started, uh, I, I think, what was his first book, which was um, Stamp from the Beginning. So I'm working my way through that one. And then I think um, I'm just going to move right on to um, the rest of his books, hopefully. That's wonderful. How to be an anti-racist is on my list, though I'm impressed with your plan to read his entire body of work. I feel like I'm a, a little behind, though, because his books have been out for a while, and he just he recently um, uh, started the Anti-Racism Center at Boston University, which I'm super excited about. And so I saw the press release about him, him doing that, and I'd always... Um, you know, had his books on my list. So I, when he when he made the move to BU, I'm a BU alum. I felt like, well, I'm I'm, I'm really I'm really overdue in reading these. I need to do these now, and then um, you know maybe make that the first step in in learning more about him and hopefully contributing to some of his work at, at his anti-racism research center. The BU connection is awesome. You've inspired me to do more than just finish the kids' book he wrote. Transitioning back to work, let me ask you: in your day to day right now, with the pandemic and other challenges we faced. What do you see as the most important change in legal services and legal technologies for Audax recently? I, I think figuring out the right knowledge management tools that um, allow us to track information efficiently. Um, the market's changing so quickly in the terms of financing and really the terms of all deal documents can be so situation specific. Um, you need tools to track those developments, um, but you also need really sophisticated lawyers to help interpret those developments. Some of the tools out there, some involve AI, some don't. So there are tools like Extract and Covenant Review, and then there are others that rely on AI. They can they can be helpful, but you need the expertise of specialized lawyers who see a lot of deal flow in your particular space. 
um, to really help you understand what's in some of those knowledge management tools. Tamara, when you analyze these legal services, how much do you talk to your external law firms about their usefulness and about what they could offer you? We we do talk to our um, our external law firms a lot about them, and you know I, I think rely on um, outside counsel quite a bit. I think to to vet some of them and give us their thoughts on them. We do have um, internal knowledge management um, specialists as well, but they're um, less focused on on legal terms, and they're um, they're more supporting our private equity business and sort broader market deal learning. So when it comes to legal knowledge management, um, it really is our internal legal team and outside counsel and then relying a bit on some of these knowledge management tools, which, again, we're still we're still trying to figure out. It feels like every you know, almost every day, certainly every week, I feel like I'm getting a call, a cold call from somebody who started some sort of new knowledge management firm or has some sort of new knowledge management product that they want to they want to pitch to us. So figuring out which ones are useful and which ones are um, different and better than some of the ones we might already be familiar with is quite a daunting task sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I actually have gotten some calls from clients who want to talk to us in our, um, you know, IT group about which of these tools, you know, we at Ropes use, because I think that legal, um, you know, software and, you know, legal knowledge management services are, are, you know, like sort of an industry that folks are becoming interested in, um, in investing in. Like you said, you see new products all the time, and it feels like it really is an industry that um, that has a lot of potential. So not to embarrass you, but, you know, though we are about the same age, I took some time off between college and law school. So you were already a client when I joined the firm. Um, and so I've, you know, I confess, I've always considered you a role model and a mentor, mm-hmm. uh, I remember attending um, when I was maybe a first or second year of an online panel um, that you were featured on, where you were sort of talking about um, the pros and cons of going in house. Sort of segueing a little bit into these concepts, um, you know, how do you see the importance of mentoring in your career? And and then I guess as a you know transition, how how have you been involved in mentoring others? Oh gosh, yeah. So mentoring has been instrumental. Um, what I found is mentors don't really need to look like you or act like you. There's there's certainly value in having a mentor that shares a similar background to you, definitely. But there's also great value in diversity of perspectives and diversity of mentors. And it it really dovetails into just building your network too, which is so important, I think, for, for all of us. So building a broad and diverse network is important. And it took me a long time to realize, too, that, that network, networking doesn't really need to be this Herculean task. It's really just making a connection with people. I'm very much an, an introvert by nature, and so networking always struck me as, as daunting. So some people love it. I do not. Um, but networking really is just about trying to make connections with people. And once I realized that, it became a lot easier. So just finding out what motivates and excites people and getting them to talk about that is a great way to connect with people. Um, and if you're an introvert like me, it takes a burden off of having to be the one doing the talking. So I really, I think that's the best way to find um, your mentors when you're starting out. And that's the best way to find people to mentor um, as you make your way through your career is just building those connections with people and not looking at it like, you know, okay, I'm going to go out to this event and, and network. That is my, that is my um, stated goal. It's more just, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this event and try to make, try to make a connection with people. Yeah, I I'm similar to you. Like the idea of going to, to you know actively networking, like using networking <laughs> as a verb, um, is horrifying. 
So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say though too, I, I loved what you said that mentors don't need to look like you. Like I'll confess, so Dan Weintraub, um, you know, has I definitely been a mentor to me. And I, I remember in 2019, he won the American Lawyer sort of, you know, best mentor award, which I think was well, well earned by him. But like I think we can most safely say Dan does not look like <laughs> either of us. Um, but, yeah. but he's been a great mentor to me. And that's something that he loves doing too. I know he's helped a lot of people throughout the legal community, throughout the um, investment management community. Um, uh, he's he's really helped a lot of people grow their careers. And I know that's something he takes great pride in and really, really loves doing. Yeah, he is very generous with his time. We had a paralegal who's now actually, um, I think like a third or fourth year at the firm. But then at the time she was a paralegal who, you know, did a lot of Audax work. And before she went off to law school, I think he met up with her twice to talk to her about, you know, sort of her career goals and, um, you know, where she was headed. And I remember she was completely, you know, touched by the fact that, um, you know, the GC of a major client was taking the time to do that with her. So I think um, you guys have a great legacy of, of mentorship at Audax. Oh, that's great. That's so good to hear. I think it's important to all of us. With that, though, and the importance of mentorship, and I think the value that you and I have both found in it, um, you know, I think we still see, you know, in law and especially in private equity, a pretty high rate of attrition, um, yeah. you know, among women. What um, secret sauce do you have? But, you know, what would have been your keys to um, your success and your longevity, um, you know, within private equity and, and the law? I don't know that it's a, a secret sauce by any means, and it, it took me a, a while to figure this out, but understanding that you don't need to change your personality to be successful in this field, whether it's law or private equity. I mean, for a long time, it has been, and in some ways can still be a boys club and a white, a white boys club in particular, but that doesn't mean that you need to stifle your personality to, to fit in or to succeed. You can You can figure out a way to interact with people in a way that feels authentic to who you are. Some of the advice that women get strikes me as confusing, bordering on enraging sometimes. <laughs> advice I hear about you. being more vocal. Yeah. When, you know, advice about being more vocal or more assertive. I mean, that, that's fine if that feels authentic to you, but you shouldn't try to turn yourself into someone you're not. We shouldn't all feel like we need to adopt this stereotypical persona of a successful businessman to succeed. That's a stereotype that frankly feels damaging to a lot of men and non-binary people too. I mean, Speak up if you have something to say. Be assertive if you feel that the situation warrants it. But if banging the table doesn't feel right to you, don't do it. If there's another approach that feels more authentic to you and that you feel can be persuasive, use that approach instead. We shouldn't be perpetuating this view that women or that anyone should have to adopt this sort of stereotypical persona of a cisgendered straight white man in order to succeed. There's great value in um, diversity of perspectives and in diversity of personalities, and we should be fostering that. That makes total sense. And I'll, I'll say, I think one of the most inspirational things I see within, you know, Audax is that I feel like you guys have, like all show, there are a lot of different ways to be successful. I wouldn't want to work at a place where there was only one path to success. And I wouldn't want to work for clients who, who thought that all the lawyers should be, you know, the exact same. Yeah, absolutely. Building off of that, um, and I, you know, I confess with your success, what do you see your role in supporting other women? And, you know, other junior colleagues, you know, at Audax and at other law firms slash, you know, private equity shops, like, uh, you know, what's your role there? I mean, I, I, I hope to be supportive and, you know, help people and help, I guess help the community build a, a, a more uh, diverse and um, inclusive community. So to the extent I can, I'd, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to support 
all different types of people with, you know, women and men and all different at all different stages of their career. I just, I think it's important to have really diverse representation in, in law and in private equity. Um, and I think private equity and financial services um, generally, it's been a lot more homogenous and to the detriment, I think, of, of the business and of the community. So to the, to the extent I can just I'd love to be a mentor if anyone feels that that would be helpful or just look, look for ways to, to encourage greater, um, greater diversity and greater inclusion in, in our field. So as you are building that diversity, I, I think I see where you're coming from, but then maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, what, um, what you see as the advantages of having greater gender and other diversity in law and private equity and, you know, and in leadership teams generally, you know, across both those industries. Well, I mean, I think there's a wealth of scholarship out there about how diversity of thought leads to better outcomes. It prevents groupthink and it empowers innovation. Um, in the investment world, diversity of perspectives just leads to better investment decisions. And diverse leadership teams are instrumental in motivating and retaining the best talent because the most talented people are not a homogenous group. You need a leadership team that can communicate with and motivate a diverse talent pool. So this has been very much a focus of Audax lately. I, I'm on our DEI um, committee, our working group, and we're spending a lot of time thinking about ways to mentor and retain diverse talent. Um, again, the industry, I think, is is um, struggling with this, has struggled with this for a long time. Um, but hopefully it's, it's changing. It's been slower than I'd like, but it is changing. Um, and I'm excited about all the energy and passion around this and can't wait to see how the next several months and, and years unfold. I think that an increased focus on diversity and inclusion will lead to a much stronger organization. It'll lead to a much stronger investment community. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that Audax is going to be sort of a, a leader in this and that'll make Audax a place that I'm even more proud to be part of. That's wonderful. Are there examples that you've run into where, um, you know, the diversity perspective at Audax have have led you guys to to better outcomes or, or you know to avoiding pitfalls you might have fallen into. One of the things I think that's great about Audax is when we're looking at investments, we really do try to get input from from everyone on the team. So it's not just the MDs who who are who are running the deal that are listened to. I think there's certainly a danger in that um, at you know at, at other shops at shops that might. Um, uh, you know, that, that might just rely on, um, you know, the, the sort of leadership team to make all of the decisions. I think the leadership team isn't always going to have their finger on, on, on the pulse of that particular industry. I remember hearing one story, and, and I, I must confess, I, I don't know if this was at Onax or, or, or elsewhere, just sort of an anecdote about um, uh, somebody looking at, at some business that was marketed um, or that, you know, main, main sort of distribution channel was, was Walmart and all of the, um, you know, all of the senior people on the team, n- nobody had ever even been to a Walmart. And so you, you need, you know, you need people with diverse perspectives, with diverse, yeah. um, uh, you know, diverse experiences, with diverse economic backgrounds to really be able to understand, um, you know, a diverse set of investments. I think there's, if you're, if you're looking at an investment in something um, uh, in a product that's sold primarily out of Walmart and your entire investment team has never been to a Walmart, I think you're going to, you're not going to be as knowledgeable about that investment. But I do think there is um, so much to be said for like, a, you know, a wide array of diversity for strengthening our teams and our, you know, our business results for, for our clients. 
And, and what you said about being proud about being at Audax, I mean, I confess, I'm very proud to, you know, to, to work with you guys too and to, to be on your team. Thank you so much for your time, Tamara. I don't know if you have any sort of last nuggets of wisdom that you'd, um, that, that you'd want to put out there for, um, for folks who are looking to get into um, private equity or the law. Um, I don't think I have any nuggets of wisdom, but I think your story about Dan just proves that, um, you know, you really should just reach out to to folks, even if you think that somebody might not have time. I think, I think most of the people I know anyway, in this, in this community um, are happy to, to share thoughts and and be mentors to the extent we can. So I don't think anyone um, who's sort of starting out their career should be shy about reaching out to to folks and um, asking to go for a cup of coffee or um, pick someone's brain about their career path. That's great advice. Cho and Tamara, thank you both so much for this great discussion and for sharing your insights. Thanks also to our listeners. For more information about Ropes and Gray's Women's Forum and our women attorneys, please visit ropesgray.com slash women. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.